Well, what a great time of worship today. Uh, And we have worshiped in several ways, even as announcements were being given. You don't think of it in those terms, but when you look in Scripture, all the elements of the service that we have here are are found in the New Testament, including announcements where where, um, Paul and the different apostles were talking shop as they write to the to the different um, churches. And then, of course, our giving is worship as well. It's an opportunity to show our gratitude and our appreciation to the Lord in the ways that we worship Him through giving of our resources and then uh, lifting our hearts and straining our voices even uh, to get those high notes. That's really, I'm, I'm with David I get yes ma'am on the phone all the time, so that one, that, that song is more than all right with me. <clears throat> I can do it. You know, they'll say, uh, yes, Mrs. Tally, and I'll say, yes, I'm, uh, you know, and I do my best to get my voice down there, but to no avail, um, oftentimes. So, but a beautiful time of worship and a good day. You're, you'll see why, especially in, in, in a few minutes. I do want to just make one announcement, hopefully, so that way I'll avoid announcements afterwards. Had a brace on my hand this morning. Uh, I I fell the other day. I I tripped over the computer cord uh, and went down. And I don't remember the time from here to there. Uh, I did not hit my head. I just it would just happen so fast. It was it was done. I will never again uh, challenge someone who wants to give me a senior citizen discount, I'll just say, okay, yeah, I, I deserve it, you know. I mean, they've been trying for 10 years. I may as well let them go ahead, you know. My goodness. Um, so, uh, I, you know, now I'm able to empathize with everyone in the, in the congregation because I know what it's like. Uh, Allison's mother, uh, Allison's over there. She said her mom called her just feeble. It needed, to, needed her to... Help her to to just sit down from the kitchen she was in there uh, over in australia so i'm I'm heading over there Tuesday, and by the time I finish my forty hours of being awake till the time I get into Sydney because I can't sleep on planes I'll be needing help to sit down as well um, These days have reminded us uh, in our church of the frailty of life. you remember last week we were talking about so many who were uh, either dying or quite ill. And some of our church family have lost people who are very close to them in the last 10 days, a father and a grandmother. And and other parents are are in feeble condition. So they've been rather dramatic days in our church, but they've been just as dramatic on the other end as well. Uh, In addition to loss, there's been addition One of our families this week received a foster child. Uh, Another is heading off overseas this week to begin an adoption process, and it's going to be three trips to bring the baby home. So, uh, and then yet another family in our church is is waiting for a call for a child to be delivered to their home. Uh, I think it's it's just such an awesome thing, is it not, when when parents. Uh, a family, a, hu- a husband and wife, a couple is willing to adopt a child and to bring a child into the home who was in somewhat uh, of a desperate situation and through no goodness on the child's part, 
the family just reached out and said, I want to provide you. We want to provide you in a, pl- a place of, uh, of security, one where you're going to feel loved and accepted and safe. Um, <clears throat> these adoptions are going to add to the, uh, the ones that uh, already in our church family have reached out and brought those into their homes. Um, Adopting a child is just a wonderful picture of what God has done for us. And it's, an, it's a glimpse anyway. And it, it's an analogy that the Lord uses in Scripture. When he talks about the special place that we have in his heart. That he would look upon us. Who had nothing that would attract ourselves to him. But he, he looked down and he said, I want you in my family. He he just chose us. He just chose to love us and shower His love and grace and mercy on us when there was just absolutely no reason for Him to do so. I've been reading in the first chapter of Ephesians this week. And uh, verse 7 in particular has just struck me. Uh, God lavished His grace upon us. That's a great word, isn't it? He lavished his grace upon us. And I've been reminded of that when I um, am not everything that I should be, which is going to shock you, but that's several times a day. You know, and I just am grateful to remember that God lavished his grace on me even so. Uh, today's time is going to be about family. And that Ephesians 1 passage, by the way, just family, just references to family through there. And certainly our text today is, I, I said our time today is going to be about family, not just the message. I'm going to spend a little time in our text, which is really part two from uh, last week, uh, Galatians 3.23 through Four seven, but but after I make a few remarks, then we're going to spend some time, just some family time, just sharing God's grace with one another. It's a good time to stop in Galatians. It's been the same message over and over in very powerful ways, and that's look, God chose to do that. It's not Sean and me preaching the same thing over and over. It's we're in the text, and Sean's going to be into a really difficult text next week, and then David's got no picnic the week after that. Um, it's, 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 it's deep, but it's a good time for us to just stop and just take, take stock of where we are. Be a time for you to share maybe what you've learned or how God has ministered His grace to you and gives us an opportunity to minister grace to one another as well. Uh, one of the themes in our testimony time may be just the ways that God has delivered us from legalism. If he's done that for you, just say amen. Amen. We are all, look, most of us are recovering legalists. We tend and trend that way all the time. Legalism, you know, to where we, we just want to prove to God that we are worthy of his love. And there's just no way we can because we're not. But that's what makes his love so great and so special. And he loves us Anyway, the challenge in Galatians is to throw off the chains and to fall on Jesus into 
freedom. Freedom from condemnation, from guilt, from arrogance, from low self-esteem, from sin, from self. We're free in Jesus, thus the title of the message, Sons or Slaves, and the title of the whole series is Sons and Slaves. And, and, and the title actually comes from the text. Uh, so we're going to stand in just a moment and read our text and then a few comments. Then we're going to share words of grace with one another, just like the family that God has called us to be. I was reading yesterday morning in Augustine's Confessions right at the first. I, I, I realized I could download it on Kindle for 99 cents. And so being the big spender that I am, I... I did so, and um, he, he made a comment I, just in those first pages that I was reading that really took me aback. He said, the arrogant are aging, and they don't even know it. Just think about that. And quickly the Holy Spirit said, that's true of the distracted as well, because I can be so easily distracted from the most important things. So this morning... Let's focus all of our heart, all of our energy. We have been well prepared as we have sung our praises to God. And we'll begin by reading our text. If you would please stand for the reading of Galatians 3.23 through 4.7. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law. In prison until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. That's all of you, men and women. Nothing meant to be sexist about the title, sons or slaves. We're all sons of God. Of God through faith. For as many as of you, <clears throat> as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father! So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son in an heir through God. Father, we just don't even know what to do with this truth. It is so overwhelming. 
And God, we just want to sit and soak in it and receive it as fully as you intended it. Our, our, our meager human minds want to say, well, that's nice, what's next? But Lord, uh, this is truth that changes everything. And so we pray that we would absorb it to the full this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks and be seated. I remember when I was a child, then a teenager, and school, the school year would come to an end. Some of us would talk, well, it's almost, and we're going to be busting out of this prison. You know, we're going to be free. Now, it was just silly, adolescent, kind of musing, you know, talking about school is like prison. And you probably, some of you said that about your home. You know, I'm going to get away from this prison um, but when Paul, in our text, used the analogy of prison, he did so in connection with the law and with very adult implications. Usually we think of a place as a prison as a place for lawbreakers. Paul said <laughs> the other way around. If you are a law keeper, you are in prison. That's really bizarre when you think about it. Uh, Jews thought of the law as a fence. They say that God has provided the law as a fence, a fence of protection. It keeps us securely in God's grace and in His favor and away from the world. They thought particularly of the, the right of circumcision as protection uh, against temptation and also against, to, to keep the bloodline pure, the Jewish bloodline pure. And so the law is a fence, and Paul said it's a, it's a fence all right. But it's not the one you, you, you think of. You know, it's got the barbed wire on the top and uh, razor sharp. It, it's, it's really bars more than it is a fence. And you, there is no way that keeping the law is going to get you out. In fact, that's what puts you there in the first place. Trying to make yourself acceptable to God by what you do. Your only help, your only hope is from the outside. So then Paul moves from one analogy to another just to show us the place of the law. He said the law is like a guardian or a, a personal trainer for children, quite common among the rich in Paul's day. Look, there were, if, if you were rich, and, and many of the people in southern Galatia were, they, they were Greeks, and they all understood these roles anyway because some of them, I'm sure some of these people uh, fulfilled these roles for the children of the rich. Uh, when a child was born, he was given directly to a wet nurse and then to a nanny after the child was weaned and then to a guardian or a pedagogue. Uh, this was like a very stern teacher. He would train the child in, in matters of education but also provide Lessons for how to live in life. Etiquette. You learned etiquette at a very young age. If you were rich, same, same with you. If you were rich, if you grew up in a wealthy home, you knew, you know, which fort to use when. Uh, rest of us just had to figure it out. You know, um, and sometimes it's disastrous if you're watching the wrong person. I, I, I saw years ago, Three Stooges, you know, and, 
and this German diplomat, somehow they're in this, this uh, room and, um, or at a dinner, at a formal dinner, and this German didn't know what to do, so he said, I'm going to watch him, and he pointed to Curly. That was bad. <laughs> He's flipping peas up, with, catching it, and putting butter on it, and then slapping it into some vegetables. And, and, of course, you know, the German diplomat's doing the same thing because he was imitating, you know, the wrong person. You know, this is just an aside. Well, all of that was an aside, too. It's not in my notes. Uh, my friends, Jimmy and Dave, and I went to see the Three Stooges the other night. Let me ask you this at, at the Dollar Theater. Why, did, why would you go to a movie like that and not laugh? I mean, Dave and I embarrassed ourselves. We just did. And, and we, I'm sure we embarrassed Jimmy. We were just laughing as hard as we could. And we were the only ones in there doing so. I mean, I, I get the women not laughing. I don't get men not laughing at the Three Stooges. Some of the best movies ever. No, I'll never, never. Uh. <clears throat> well, anyway, these guardians were, they would teach. I mean, you get, you, you get the sense of, you know, the Catholic nun is wrapping knuckles with a, with a ruler. These were pretty stern most of the time. And then they would be passed off to a, another, a manager, as he talks about in, in, in chapter 4, where this person is getting, you're getting a lot closer to adulthood, and this one is managing legal affairs. You know, where are the parents in all this? I, I, it's just the way it was then, and it can be that way today very easily. But the manager is helping to manage affairs, and this person is much nicer to the adolescent because he's a lot closer to freedom, and you know, will remember, you treated me badly, and now you're going to get it. Um, the, the guardians were expected to be severe. And Paul said the law is like a guardian. It's keeping you in line, but he'll go on to say in chapter 4, what difference is there between a son and a slave when you're under a guardian? Really none at all. You have to toe the line. You have to do exactly as you're told. And the minute you get out of line... You suffer for it. The guardian could never provide freedom. They were given close to almost absolute authority over the children. Uh, It it was quite an effective analogy. Uh, Most understood that life was quite different for those who were free and those who were not. The, The easiest way... To, to have freedom in the Roman Empire was to be born free. But there weren't that many free people in the Roman Empire. Uh, there were other ways. You could buy your freedom, but it cost a lot. Or you could be given your freedom by, by your master, but oftentimes that was after 30 years of service or so in, in a day when the lifespan was not nearly as long as it is today. <clears throat> so Paul is saying... <clears throat> That apart from Jesus, you know, life's not promising. In Jesus, we are free, completely free. And we are free regardless of one's race, gender, status, social status. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or or, or a Gentile, if you're a slave or if you're free, or if you're a man or a woman. These were astounding words in the first century. We Again, we just sort of take them as like, well, yeah, of course. Of course, it's equality for all. And, and, you know, we would say white-collar, blue-collar, 
male, female, um, <clears throat> cultured, non-cultured, white or black or, or Asian or whatever. We say none of those distinctions matter. And, <clears throat> and because we live in America, you probably think of America as a racist country. We are nothing compared to almost every other country in the world. Really not. But, but we have been trained for many, many years not to be racist. We still are. Please understand, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. It does in a big way, just not as, at the same scale as it does in many other places. <clears throat> but because of our training, these words don't mean that much to us. They meant a lot in that day. We became members of this family when we believed in Jesus. But we were initiated into the family when we were baptized. And we were baptized, let me make that clear, we were baptized into a family. It's clear that baptism is to God's covenant people in the church what circumcision was to God's covenant people who were under the law. Um, So... It's a sign. It's a sign that this one belongs to God. So it would seem clear that if Paul had almost popped a vein or two, you know, in his neck, his eyes were bugging out and veins in his neck, I mean, were, 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 you could see him when he's talking about circumcision does not save you. In fact, it's the opposite. If you submit yourself to this and you are counting on this being something that's going to commend God to you, then it's not your, it's the wrong way. So is he going to trade one right for another? Is he going to go, is he now going to say, circumcision won't save you? It's faith. Circumcision won't save you. But oh yeah, that's right, baptism will. No, I don't think so. At the same time, in the very same breath, let me say this. The early church did not know about unbaptized Christians. You know, are you a Christian? Yes. When were you baptized? Oh, I haven't been baptized. It's like, it wasn't even why not. It was, what? What? How, how, do, how, do you, how are you a member of this covenant community? And you've not been baptized, which is a good time for me to say that we're going to have a baptismal service coming up in August, August 26th, I believe. <laughs> it's the day that we've set. It's the day of a potluck, and be, it'll be a big day, just be a big day. And if you have not been baptized, please talk with me, talk with one of the elders, one of our staff. Let's, let's move in that direction. And Now, look, it didn't take long after this first century for baptism to become a long drawn out process in the early church uh, it, it people almost had to go through a probation period before they were baptized into a covenant community but it was always held at the highest level and it was understood that if you were a follower of Jesus you will show it to the world <clears throat> by submitting yourself to baptism Um, But another aspect of Christian life that was never in evidence in the first century was the unconnected Christian. 
We're baptized into Christ and into a family. Abraham's family of belief, in fact, but a family that we know as the church. This family is gathered together by God. We're, we're adopted. We're placed in a family, and we have less to do with that than we feel like we do, again, in 21st century America, where we can choose to do anything. You know, and we, many of you are in the process of, of checking out churches, and that's a legitimate process. I would do the exact same thing if I were moving somewhere else. I would go from one place to another to make sure that the word is being preached clearly, the gospel is being given, the worship is lively, people love Christ and they love one another. I mean, I would want to do the same thing. When God puts us in a family, we need to understand that we have a responsibility to be the best family member that we can possibly be. Um, I had dinner last night with Lee and Stacy Williford. That's why I'm so fat today. I, I, it's their fault. <clears throat> I mean, just one course after another, they're just throwing it at me. You want some of this? And uh, You know, how am I going to say no? That would be impolite. But they were talking about the first time they walked into um, the home group that they attend uh, in Fuquay with Sean and Melissa and bunch of others of you, Chris and Ashley and others. I, if I start, I'll leave somebody out and be in trouble. And they said, you know, it was, they looked at each other when they left, and it's like, I mean, we've known these people forever, right? Because that's just the way it felt. And another couple, you know, visited around a lot of the different home groups, and including the one that I lead, and then, uh, and so they got on the mailing list and they just got bombarded, you know. But they, as I just always encourage you to do, find the home group where you are comfortable. And if that's not the one I'm leading, fine. That's, it, it's wonderful. I want you to be somewhere else. I want you to be a place where you connect. And then I got an email saying, you know, when we went to the Andrew group, we found home. Everybody's so kind, but this is home. I love that. I love that. But God has called us to be a larger family as well. We are a group of small families and then we gather together on Sundays as a large family. And we don't get much opportunity to just to interact as a larger family. And we're going to do that this morning. I, I'm going to read through uh, the rest of our text, chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. I'm going to do my best to make as few comments as possible. Then we're just going to take time for you to share what God has been teaching you what you've learned from this series, what he's been teaching you, and another part of Scripture like Ephesians 1 for me this past week, uh, or <clears throat> just something that he's really blessed with you with. We're going to speak grace to one another. That's what God does for us, to us, and we want to do that with one another. So let's look at uh, chapter 4 and go from there he says I and, and by the way if you've been tracking with you know this study a lot of this is just going to start to fall into place for you anyway um, I mean that the heir as long as he is a child is no different from a slave though he is owner of everything but he is under guardians and managers <clears throat> until the date set by his father <clears throat> in the same way we also when we were children, 
<clears throat> were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. He's, he's most likely talking about to evil spirits who, who co-opted the law. The law was good and holy, nothing wrong with it, but Satan twisted it. And the law became death to us because he took something good and used it in an evil way. And we were incapable of keeping the law. So it was weak in the flesh, Romans 8 says. Just no way we could. But, verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. He's God's son, so he's God. Everybody understood what he was saying. Born of a woman. He's 100% God, 100% man. Born under the law, under the penalty of the law, unless he fulfilled it at every point, which he did. So that we might receive adoption as sons. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. To redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Two things here. You cannot separate the deity of Christ and the work of redemption. If you are soft on either one, the other one suffers. You cannot. You cannot have redemption without Christ being fully divine. You cannot underscore the divinity of Christ without understanding the full force of His work on the cross. They go together, they're inseparable. And that, and, and that work was as, as a substitute, as a sacrifice for us. It wasn't just as an example. Isn't it their example in the cross? Sure. And we're pointed to it. But Jesus died for sinners to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as son. And because you were sons, you see any family references in here? God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So, let's, uh, let's take some time to speak grace to one another. Paul uh, was quite stern with these... Um, um, Galatians, because they had sort of reneged on the gospel that they had believed earlier, where David and Sarah, they're going to be the uh, uh, keepers of the microphone. Um, <clears throat> but again, everything he said was, was, was so beautiful, and, and there was so much grace in his word. So, what are you learning in grace? How did you escape the bonds of legalism what did God show you to bring you or whatever you want to say uh, probably not a time to say hey I've got a garage sale at my house next week but um, other than that you know if it's if it's words of grace what what's God doing for you in you through you or we could just go home uh, Actually, we can't because they've got a thing in the in, in the back. So,
No, we've got to. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Aubrey Cochran, and we've been with you a couple of months now, maybe a little longer. My wife is Julie. She's away this week or for a couple of weeks. But anyway, I grew up in a fairly legalistic home. Um, we were never allowed to be wrong as children, but we always were. Uh, you think about that one over lunch today. Um, but it wasn't, you know, I attended the seminary at New Orleans Baptist Theological, and it wasn't until I got there, I think, that I began to understand about grace. And it wasn't so much seminary as it was a brother I got to know through a radio broadcast out of Dallas who said, God loves you just like you are. And that was a revelation to me as a guy who was studying for the pastorate to understand that God loves me just like I am. And to hear what Brad has been saying as he's been coming or leading us through Galatians, you know, I've said a lot of amens, and it's hard for me not to jump up and down, even as a Southern Baptist, <clears throat> uh, because it's exciting to hear somebody speak the truth of the word, and this truth of the word frees people from bondage, and that's what Paul was talking about. And I'm just so grateful to God that he, he worked in my life in those years in New Orleans, and it changed my outlook on life. It changed my approach to preaching. It changed my approach to dealing with people who were caught up in sin, because I learned, Brad, that it's not my job to beat anybody up. It's my job to love people. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to change people. And I praise God for that. Amen. I thought Elvis was with us at first. And it is a blessing to have. If you don't know Aubrey and Julie, get to know them. to go to uh, churches often I like for sickness um, but I keep praying that I can I keep trying to get rid of it so if I can go that morning <laughs> and so I'm glad to be here I grew up in a very legalist church and uh, when I was teaching my children I, w- I didn't even know that I was such a legalist mm-hmm. and uh, I completely lost the chance with one of my boys to um, witness to him by the fact that I was so afraid something would happen when they did something wrong, like uh, if, you do, if you're a drunkard, you can't go to heaven. If you're this, you know, the number of the things Jesus says you won't go to heaven. And I would, I would just more, I didn't know then to teach them of love the greater thing than to teach them what could happen from sin. And so... Really, through tele- through the computer, I have been freed. I have been freed from uh, all legalism. Um, it, it came up, uh, I was with many Christians, and discussion was there. And, and, and uh, finally, I, I helped to start a, a uh, group, and there's almost 200 in that group now. And the preacher I found was an Ohio preacher. I had been to uh, Grand Rapids, and I had met someone out of that church, and I knew they taught the truth. And this man writes his blog and puts it in there that he gives to the church. And it's helping people from uh, Pakistan and all of those uh, Asian countries. And um, I just love it, what God has done in my life, and I hope he'll use me some more. 
uh, in some sort of way to, to tell others how to show love. Don't, don't go jumping on someone for their sin before you've shown them love and got their confidence. I mean, you really need to get a relationship maybe started a little before you um, speak about, well, huh, huh, I mean, you speak more of the love of God. Uh, he certainly is a judge, and, and, and they would, you know, learn that. But I did learn through the hardest way. Uh, I've got one son that, that just doesn't uh, want to talk about God. He, he once said he was saved, and now he doesn't want to talk about it. And he would tell me. I won't talk about it. And I, now I don't get the chance to, much to tell him how I keep telling him God is love and that I've learned a lot and uh, not to think so much on the bad things. To think about God is love and that God loves him. And the other day I, I remembered how he almost uh, died in the crib from strangulation from a, a, something being wrapped around his neck, his blanket. And I told him, and I said, I was able to say, well, you're in this world for a reason. <laughs> Thank you. That is so true. And, that, you know, two really excellent words for parents of young children. Uh, it's so easy to communicate the wrong thing. Now, you know, look, both of the speakers know this fully. Our, our, the love that God showed us uh, was at great expense to himself through Jesus' death on the cross. Uh, and as we get into Galatians 5 and 6, it's going to be quite clear that we're that this grace does not free us to just live any way we want to. We, are to. we are to obey the law of Christ, but it's through his power. And the law of Christ is more exacting than the Old Testament law. Just know that. Uh, but we are given the ability to do it. And for those of you who are parents, uh, Matt Chandler says the number one rule in our household is to, anybody know? Have fun. That's the number one rule. Have fun. That's one way to avoid legalism. Um, uh, but such good words about do not communicate to your children that if you do this, this, and this, you're going to go to hell. The only thing that's going to keep us apart from God is a failure to believe, to repent of our sin, to acknowledge our sin before Christ, and then to believe that he died on the cross for us. That's the only thing that will keep us apart from him. And if he truly lives in us, those things will work out. All right, Neil. Yes. I've really enjoyed the, the freedom uh, spoken of through the message in Galatians and um, just the, the grace, even after we're saved, that we need the gospel. We can't survive on our own. We can't do it on our, our own power. And um, if I can remember the, the Latin correctly, correct me, if, um, but the, what has stuck with me recently has been uh, simul used et precator. Simultaneously, I'm just and a sinner because the, the justice that has been given to me is, is foreign. It, it comes from, from Jesus, uh, as was spoken uh, just a little while ago. And um, it, it's amazing to see both in myself and in others, and it frees me to relate to others that I know they're sinners, I know I'm a sinner, and they know that I'm a sinner, but God's still working in and, and through us uh, as sinners, that he is going through the process of making us who we are. He's creating in us um, a holy life, even when we're already called saints. 
And uh, it, it's amazing and, and freeing uh, to be able to live that and to be able to relate and forgive others because I know that the same God that we both worship is at work in them as he is in me also. Amen. And gospel-centered lives. Again, uh, if, if it feels like a very, very thick foundation that is being laid in Galatians, it is. But you know the advantages of a solid foundation, don't you? It will impact us brilliantly in uh, ways of everyday living. All right, someone else, anyone else? Mike's, but um, going along with uh, what was just said, I, I um, was thinking that how uh, the Lord's Word works in our lives and something I think I talked to you about one time when we were uh, having a, a discussion, but how God takes His Word, and, and I've always believed that the two most important things I can do is, is study His Word and read His Word and, and pray. But uh, what, I, what I wanted to say is I don't care where you are in Scripture or what message we might hear some Sunday morning, but God can take that and work in our lives no matter where we're at. It, it, it can uh, help someone that's maybe going through a good thing. It can help us when we're going through difficult times and various difficult times, whether it's the loss of a loved one or um, whatever we're going through in a healing process. And that in itself is a miracle to me. He can just take his word, and I, and it's, and which he did in my own life during these past two years, uh, and just use scripture that I would never recommend to anybody or I would think that, any, that would help me and bring you through things or help bring you through things. It's kind of like I said, it's like we can uh, take Excedrin and somebody takes it for a headache and somebody else takes it for maybe a pain in the shoulder or wherever, and, and it, the same medicine helps, and that's how God's Word uh, works in our lives. I don't care what scripture we're in or what message we hear, and I think it's important to think about. Which is really a, a great analogy, and uh, Jack has suffered greatly these last couple of years physically uh, a guy that was completely healthy and then all of a sudden taking a huge vein out of one leg putting it in another and all kinds of stuff uh, and it's clear when I talk to Jack when we get together occasionally he'll he will talk about scripture he, he knows the word and how God has used it to minister to his life and like I say, a great analogy. You you may go to this particular passage for one thing, and, and the Holy Spirit does something entirely different. And like you, you just don't expect this verse to minister to you in this circumstance. It's kind of like we got those little Gideon Bibles where you know suffering, comfort, whatever you know, whatever. Find my ailment and go to that verse. But all of Scripture ministers to us as the Holy Spirit takes it. Well, any one more person want to just share? A word of grace to us, and and we will go our separate ways and minister grace to those that we're with. Yeah, Paul um, Troth. Okay, well, just one second, Caleb. 
All right. Well, I was just going to say uh, you're talking a lot about legalism, and uh, I think uh, that really I had a big issue with that in college, uh, sophomore and junior year, with that not realizing, uh, not really, I guess, being involved as well as teaching or preaching, but I did a lot through actions, and I think I let that uh, become a burden in, you know, feeling that you had to present yourself so well that uh, you just put so much pressure on yourself that it becomes a yourself thing rather than a God thing, and and, you know, it took a lot, uh, you know, God uh, really working a lot through this church, but also, you know, taking, you know, losing two people in my life to really uh, show me that uh, it's it's not about you. But I think what I really learned, especially even today in what you were just saying, that uh, the distraction is a huge thing. Because even over the years uh, since then and, you know, even this past year going off to school, I've realized that uh, you can be active and you can be uh, moving constantly uh, even in the church and you can be distracted, and I think even in that activity, you can be idle in your faith, and I think that, that legalism can creep up on you, and Satan's pretty good without, about doing that and letting that sneak back up on you. And so I think what you were talking about, the distraction, and it's easily to become distracted uh, if you're not really uh, f- having your focus in the right, right area. You can easily fall back on focusing on yourself. Well, that is just like everything else that's been said this morning, a really great word. If the busier we get, the, the, the more tendency there is toward legalism because if we're not focusing on that relationship and soaking in God's grace, then it's just easier to just serve and feel like we're doing okay because we're doing something. And again, not that we shouldn't do when we're soaking in His grace, but if that's a substitute for... Being, if doing becomes a substitute for being, we're in we're in big trouble. Paul Troth will close us out. Okay. Um, this is more of a, an observation and for our family and uh, kind of anybody who's new to grace. Uh, but for my wife and I, Teresa, um, we just when we first got to Bowie's Creek, uh, I was coaching over at Campbell and. We were obviously church hopping and wanting to find a place. And the first thing that stood out to us was just the relationships. And somebody spoke on it earlier was before you judge, uh, you know, try and understand somebody. And and I feel like Grace does a great job of establishing those relationships and establishing grace within your heart. And then it just infects you and then it permeates everywhere else. And so... Um, there's a couple things that, you know, we're, we're leaving, um, but I feel like, you know, God put us here to equip us to invest in relationships where we're going, um, is highly diverse. And so I, I don't think that we were here for Campbell. I don't think that we were here for me to coach football at Harness Central. I really think that God put us here to be equipped at Grace to establish grace in in our lives and the lives of others. So um, if you're new, this church will force you to engage in relationships, whether you like it or not. (laughs) Um, And 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 it's one of those things where I can speak from experience. You know, I was closed off in terms of a a little world called football. and, And there's people that I met now that had it not been for grace, I would not have never met them, and my wife and I, we would not have those um, relationships. So, thank you guys.
Amen. Thanks, Paul. We're going to miss Paul and Teresa. You know, one of the just really terribly difficult things about our church, because we have so many people in and out, connected with Campbell and business, it's just a, our world, but especially here, people come and then they move on to another place, not another church, but the Lord moves them to another city, is that, you know, we just... We can't say goodbye to everybody, and so consequently, we don't say goodbye to anyone, uh, hardly. And we miss them terribly because not only have Paul and Teresa been served, but they have served us extremely well while they have been here. And and I do thank you for that word. If If you're brand new and you feel like this is the place, we really want you to jump in with both feet. Um, I could have spent a whole lot more time talking this morning about this family, this family that consists of all a, a real disparate group of people. The church is a covenant community. Think about that, a covenant community. What does that mean? Well, think, think about two other covenants. The covenant God has with us through Jesus and the covenant that husband and wife are supposed to have with one another. This is a covenant community. We're supposed to engage and to care for one another at that level. So if you are new, we want you to jump in with both feet. If you don't like it, you'll have to anyway. We'll drag you in, as according to Paul. But uh, you know what? I, even if that were true, I would hope that when you get, when you, you, know, you find yourself in the middle of the room, you, you find that it's a pretty good place to be. Well, thanks so much for sharing this morning and so many things on many hearts I know that could be shared. You're going to get an opportunity, if you didn't do it today, to do it in home group. And by the way, here's one of the things you're going to think about in home group. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. What what does that mean? Well, you could say a lot of things about it being the perfect time. Certainly we're glad he came, Jesus came in an agricultural age rather than a technical, technological age. Um, but um, it, it means ultimately it was just the right time. It was perfect. God, God's timing is always perfect. He's never early. He's never late. He's always exactly on time. And there's a principle that seems to exist, and there's even a, a word in, 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 a, in, a, in a New Testament parable, one that Jesus told that seems to indicate this, that when God moves, he doesn't move immediately in fact we all have that experience you know we expect God to do something and it feels like we wait 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 and then when he moves it's like boom 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 it's like it's so fast you get breathtaking speed and I know that's happened in a lot of your lives and so you're going to get a chance to just talk about that tonight uh Stephen and Michelle I think with their sweet little girl that's coming to their home this week could attest to that um so But let's sing as we close our praise to God. Stand if you would and let's sing. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins to free us from this present evil age according to the perfect will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. And all of God's people said, Amen.